1: You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty, large black bags.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer alongside Josh Norris. Howdy. We are here to talk about one of the best systems in baseball today, the Chicago White Sox. Lots been said and written about their turnaround over the past 18 months, how they've sold off most of their veterans, not all, but most. They've rebuilt with one of the strongest systems in uh, in the game. Josh, you had the pleasure of doing the White Sox system this year for the Prospect Handbook. Before we dive into the individual guys, just what's your overall assessment of the system and, and where it stands among its peers in the game? It's gotten a
1: lot better, um, and that's because they've made a lot of smart trades. Even with the graduations of Giolito and Lopez and Moncada, this team is still loaded with ta- uh, tra- uh, hmm, loaded with talent from trades including number one prospect Eloy Jimenez, uh, number 10, I believe I put him, uh, Dylan Cease, um, Michael Kopek is still in there. Guys like that
0: populate their top 10 pretty uh, pretty prolifically. You know, three of their top five prospects as you rank them were acquired in trades, five of their top 10. So there's no question, I think, having, you know, obviously moving guys like Chris Sale, moving guys like Tommy Canley and Todd Frazier, David Robertson, um, Jose Quintana this year uh, not David Robertson, yeah David Robertson mm-hmm. excuse me, all those trades were uh, were done to kind of reset the clock, get the White Sox back on a path to contention in the future overall, do you feel like this team has gotten the amount of talent they should have for the quality of players they traded at the major league level? Absolutely. Uh, I th- agree, just had to ask No, no I thought they
1: they, they, um, they struck while the iron was hot for Jose Quintana they, it helps that he had a really great contract to trade. And, you know, they got a commensurate return with <laughs> Eloy Jimenez, one of the top five prospects in the game. And Dylan Cease, uh, almost a wild card, maybe not a super wild card. Um, very high upside kind of guy. And Brian Flatey and Matt Rose as well, who are on death charts. Um, and from uh, the Yankees, they got Blake Rutherford and Tito Polo and... Who am I missing here? Oh, Ian Clarkin and Tyler Clippard. So they've got guys throughout the system that, you know, that ranked in other guys' systems in their 30s and 10s as well. And they still have Chips to Trade in F.S.L. Garcia, if they so choose. Jose Abreu.
0: If they so choose. So, Josh, I want to take you back 25 years ago. Well, I'm seven years old. The year is 1993. Mm-hmm power hitter by the name of Frank Thomas is the American League MVP for the Chicago White Sox. Heard of him. And a uh, thinner right-hander who is nonetheless a, a top draft pick and a, a very well-renowned pitcher named Jack McDowell is the American League Cy Young Award winner. The White Sox had your MVP and your Cy Young Award winner in the same year. Do you think there's a future here, whether it's three years from now, four years from now, five years from now, where that's Eloy Jimenez and Michael Kopech? I could see it. I'm more confident on Eloy than I am
1: on Kopech. White Sox Twitter is going to yell at me <laughs> over that, um, but you know Eloy, yeah, I could see him winning an MVP or two down the line. But and Kopech certainly could possess that type of stuff um, down the line, or could put together that type of season down the line. I don't know if I'm ready to call Eloy Frank Thomas just yet, but he's he's gonna have some fun. Even an outside evaluator so, you know, this guy's gonna hit 250, 350 home runs in the big leagues. And that might be selling him short.
0: No, the guy can absolutely mash. Um, again, one of those guys. He's—I've seen him play perfectly fine right field. Whether it's right field, left field, we we'll we'll saw him flip not, over a bullpen. It's—it's it's not going to matter. This guy is—he uh, can do both. He can play the out corner outfield just fine. He's going to mash. I think White Sox fans uh, have a lot to be excited about, just a guy that— uh, They're, they're that, pretty certain he's going to be a left fielder, Eloy. And that's and, per, and that's perfectly fine. I think, you know, a lot of times we see, particularly in discussions of prospects, people obsess over positional value. And there's definitely prospects where, yes, you need to take it into account. But as I've repeated many times over, Paul Goldschmidt's one of the 10 best players in baseball the last five years. The fact he plays first base doesn't do anything to take away from that. Mike Trout's a center fielder. If he played left field, he'd still be the best player in baseball. Period. There's certain guys who are great talents; they're going to be studs no matter what position they trot out to on the field. Eloy to me is one of those guys. The fact he's going to play left field and he'll be totally fine there does not change the fact yeah. that this is one of the top five prospects I would I would start a, a farm system with. Yeah, Albert Pujols also comes to mind.
1: Older incarnation of Albert Pujols, but yes.
0: I guess Manny Ramirez would be the other, you know yeah. left fielder, yes. but not Man- not, say, not saying Eloy is Manny Ramirez. Although some people have said that. Again, he's a he's a special talent. We'll see how how you know how it comes together. He got his first taste of AA last year. He'll be in AAA presumably middle to end of this year. I don't know. Do you see an Eloy White Sox ETA any time this year, or do you think it's purely 2019?
1: I I would hedge on 2019, especially if they don't think they're going to contend. You know, I don't think another full year in the minor leagues could
0: kill him. But, you know, he can bully his way up there. And that's that's the big thing to remember, that obviously this is a tremendously talented individual with a bright future ahead. Uh, he's also had some injury issues, and he has 18 games above A ball in his career. Yeah, you know, let's let him cook for a little more. Right, he, uh, he's 21 years old, just turned 21 uh, here at the end of November. Still a young guy because so he's going to play all next year at age 21. Double AA, A, triple A circuit, and we'll see what happens There is a pretty high level of confidence that, hey, Yuli Jimenez, this is a dude, you know, you don't have to worry about as long as he stays healthy, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, You really don't. There's not a lot of people saying, oh, I don't know. There's a fairly high level of confidence that this guy's going to be, you know, an impact, middle of the order, you know, all-star type bat. Mm -hmm. Michael Kopech's interesting because with him, even though he's advanced to higher levels and, you know, performed at higher levels, taking relative, you know, pitcher versus hitter uh, contributions into account – There's a lot more questions, and I think a lot of that's just a function of this is a guy who has a history of wildness. He also had a uh, couple of of, of issues, uh, getting into a fight with a teammate. There was a positive drug test in there uh, earlier in his career. So I, I think that people still have some hesitation there What was your sense, you know, talking to evaluators about Michael Kopech, we saw his control really tick up at the end of last season, uh, made some adjustments, finishing more online in his delivery. Talking to uh, evaluators and people both inside and outside the organization, what was the sense you got on Kopech and and what strides he's made and what more he needs to make?
1: I mean, the sky's the limit for Michael Kopech. He's got the the big-time fastball up to, you know, 103 or however high in triple digits he's hit. Um, he's got the big-time slider that can be an out pitch. He needs to refine the changeup. Um, they want him to not go 100% on every pitch every time because you know, that'll, that'll tire you out pretty quick. They want him to learn to you know, maybe go 75%, 80%. And that's why they gave him a two-seamer this year because, as one uh, official explained to me, if you overthrow that two-seamer, you're going to spike it. And if you learn how to not spike that, maybe you can uh, translate it to all your other pitches and save some bullets for later in the game. They need to needs to refine his command. Like You said stay online a little bit more, but the raw tools are there, and that's why I ranked him number two.
0: You know, one of the things that I think is just most encouraging to me. If you look at uh, the end of the year, his final nine starts, he had a one point two nine ERA that included finishing up Double AA, A, Triple A, but but most importantly. 71 strikeouts to 12 walks in 56 innings. He's a bad man when he's on. And, well, but that's the breakthrough everyone's looking for because you saw earlier in the year he still had low ERAs, he was still missing a lot of bats, but it was there were games of four walks, three strikeouts, four walks, three strikes. even a six and you know eight to ten strikeout games. There's four walks, five walks. We all know you can't allow free base runners in the major leagues. If you do, it's going to come back to bite you. And it seems like, you know, you talk about a kid who you're waiting for him to make the stride. You're waiting for him to make the stride, and he made it. And then importantly, what it led to as well, a lot longer outings. You know, earlier in the year, he didn't. He got past the sixth inning once. By the end of the year, he got past the sixth inning and four of his final five starts in A, He went eight innings, then six, then seven, seven, seven. He's lasting longer, he's more efficient, he's just been better. The breakthrough, I think we saw it come to fruition.
1: Yeah, I mean he's like I said, he's, he's really, really, really good when he's on and I'm very interested to see what he does in a full-ish season at AAA um, where the hitters will bite you if you're not commanding the ball. I don't care how hard you throw. There are some you know major league veterans lurking waiting to get you and tell you who you are.
0: You know, I think it's fair to say he'll get a full season in AAA this year or close to it. Yep. And we'll see how it goes. You know, Jimenez and Kopech are pretty clear number one, number two. And, and in that order, I assume there wasn't much debate there? No. The next group, you have Alec Hansen, Luis Robert, Dane Dunning, Zach Collins. Take us through, you know, who was in the running for that number three spot and ultimately what led you to go with Alec Hansen there?
1: It was only The only two guys that were in consideration for that spot were Robert and Hansen. And I think they're really not 3-4, so much as they are 3 and three and a half. Um, initially, I had Robert there because the tool package is magnificent. Um, it, it's, you know, a guy who could possibly stick in center field. There's power. There's hit ability. There's uh, blinding speed. There's everything you want. There's a reason he got, like, $26 million. But at the same time, Alec Hansen also was second in the minor leagues in strikeouts this year. Did it, obviously, at higher levels. And is just a little closer, so that's why I went with Hanson over Robert. But I would like to have both prospects in my system. Hanson, you know, took some strides forward this year. They're working on getting him more uh, toward the plate this year, keeping his, his front shoulder uh, level with his back shoulder in his delivery, and uh, making sure that sure the consistency of his stuff stays there because when it's on, it's really really good. I saw him once this year against a Potomac team which had um, Michael A. Taylor in their lineup. I think he struck him out four times on 16 pitches.
0: It was He took him apart. <laughs> now, one of the things with Hanson is he's 6'7", 255 pounds. He's a big dude. And yep. we've seen a lot of times pitchers that big, a lot of the times they have trouble repeating, and, and that you know, lends itself to a lot of wildness. What was the sense you got from evaluators about their confidence level in him being able to throw strikes consistently? Because that's always been the rub.
1: And that was that was kind of what the internally the White Sox brought up. Like I said, they want him to keep those shoulders even and stay online to the plate a little more. Well, I know
0: that's what they want him to do, but how much confidence is there that he can do it? About all the confidence in the world that he can do. It. Otherwise, they wouldn't have taken. Let him me rephrase. It. Uh, outside of Wages, I mean, is there was there obviously internally teams are going to be op- They're not going to tell you, oh, we don't believe in this guy.
1: No, I don't think there was a huge pushback outside either. Simply because I ranked him number three. If there, was a, there were a big pushback, I probably would have popped him a little lower than I did.
0: You know, we uh, have our discussions here at Baseball America quite frequently, and Ben Bather brought up something interesting, kind of a career path. Now, a very you know, different pitcher, different size, different profile. Um, but you mentioned Garrett Richards as a guy who, you know, put up poor numbers in college, coincidentally or not, at University of Oklahoma, same school as Alec Hansen, you know, just It never quite clicked for him there, and we saw it didn't click for Hans in his final year there. And eventually, Richards was able to work himself into a frontline starter. Now, it took some time. Obviously, he really blossomed as as a true ace type here in 2014-2015. He's been hurt the last two years. But it took time. You know, 2011, 2012, 2013, he was bouncing back and forth, starting and relieving. It was a lot of middling performance. It wasn't until his age 26 season he really blossomed. Do you see a similar situation with Hanson where it might, just because he's had some of those issues in the past, it might take some time, but he can eventually get there. It just won't be at age 23, 24. It might be 26,
1: 27. I, I mean, I could see it, but I wouldn't bet on it. I, he's, he seems to be, stuff-wise, past um, the senioritis or draftitis and all the complications that had him uh, kind of drop in the draft at Oklahoma. Remember, this was a guy who's in consideration, at least in, in our office, for 1-1 uh, his draft year. So it's never been a question of the stuff, and it showed up this year. We'll see what he, what upper-level hitters do to him this year. And he had a little bit of a taste of it last year at Birmingham, but I don't think it will take quite that
0: long. Again, small sample size, went up to Birmingham, 17 strikeouts and three walks in 10 to third innings. Now there were 15 hits allowed, but again, showed the ability to miss bats, keep the ball in the strike zone, which has been his bugaboo. It's a promising thing, obviously a fantastic year at both A-levels. Uh, you mentioned Luis Robert was three and a half. Obviously, you know, everything is one of those guys that because he hasn't been to the States yet, the big money, it's almost a mythology, and sometimes we have to separate out, okay, what's real versus what's not. I remember at the winter ma- meetings, Rick Renteria, uh, the White Sox manager, talked to us and said he went down to the Dominican complex and was just blown away by this kid, absolutely blown out of the water. Uh, what were the type of things you were hearing about him and, and his first taste of, of professional baseball down in the Dominican?
1: I mean, he was also dinged a little bit down there, but the the tools were online with Yoan Moncada's. So, you know, if that gives you a, a baseline to, to judge by, it, he's he's very very good. And they're considering starting him at high class A this year. You know, jumping him over both you know, you know Great Falls and. He's an older
0: guy. It's like he's 17. He's 20. He'll be 21 next year. And as Ben Badler, uh, our great international guru, pointed out, a lot of times uh, teams will do that for tax purposes, starting in the DSL. So it wasn't really uh, an ability-level thing. It was more of a tax thing.
1: Right. And he's going to be in a crowded mix this year at A-Ball. They have, and I think uh, Future Sox pointed that out, too. And it was um, something that they're – their internal guys pointed out to me as well that you know they have uh, Robert, Luis Gonzalez, Mike um uh, Blake Rutherford, Alex Call, uh, all these guys who are going to be in the mix for you know, that's, that's five guys I named for spots. Uh, Winston Salem outfield, so they've got a good problem to have at the lower levels with you know five higher end prospects who could be in the mix to play
0: high A this year. It's definitely going to be a very, very talented team. Ultimately, you know, it's a lot of, lot of room to go, but what is the, you know, scenario that, that evaluators envision Robert blossoming into? Give you a
1: top five prospect in the game.
0: I'm talking about but beyond just prospects, ask, what kind of major leaguer?
1: Perennial all-star. I mean, he has as high a ceiling as anybody in this system.
0: It's interesting you say that because, I mean, I think Eloy is considered to be no, that guy, that, the, high, the it, highest ceiling. Would Robert, you, is there a ceiling?
1: Well, you could have him in center field. And uh, an excellent offensive output, too. You'd have center field type defense. If you, if you added center field defense to, to Robert, or to uh, Eloy, you got a really, really even better prospect.
0: That would certainly be spectacular. Obviously, a lot, lot of steps to go, but <clears> we'll, yes. we'll see if he can get there. Um, next group couple of interesting guys. Dane Dunning came over in the Adam Eaton deal, had a nice debut year. Zach Collins uh, split a couple people. Yeah, had Jake Berger, first rounder who also splits a few people. Blake Rutherford, uh, first rounder a year ago, came over in the Yankees trade. Uh, a down year. Overall, just what was kind of your sense on on this this group here and, and where they all are? It seems like it's a lot of a split type guys. Dunning less so, but Collins, Berger, Rutherford, even Gavin Sheets to a degree. I mean,
1: Dunning is the safest Of that group, I think, because he's going to be a mid-rotation type. Sinker slider, not going to strike out the world necessarily. Uh, He had some, they wanted to tweak a little bit with his delivery this year. I cursed him, I should never watch him again, because when I watched him, he got hit by line drives. Uh, Yes. Um, And then tried to pitch with them. (laughs) It was great. Um, But Dunning, you know, he was a sorcerer at Kannapolis this year. I mean, you can go look at his numbers there, and he was, you know, I couldn't do that on a video game. Yeah. It would be cliché and talk about how terrible I am at video games. <laughs> but he was it was pretty darn good, too, at Winston-Salem. Um, 135
0: strikeouts, 36 walks, 118 innings. ERA was a little elevated, and part of that was home runs. He That's the one thing you can yes. look at and say, you know, get 15 homers and 118 innings this year at Winston. Uh, what, a, what re- a, Winston is a hitter's ha- haven.
1: I mean, take a look at some of the hitter splits there from the White Sox. Um and, B, that'll that happen when you when you sink the ball and you don't get the sink you're looking for. If your stuff flattens out, it's going to go far. And that was something they wanted to, the more consistency in his mechanics to avoid the sink on the ball. Uh, to not avoid the sink on the ball, to induce the sink on the ball.
0: You know, ultimately, you know, we saw Giolito and Lopez make the ascension last year. Is the idea, do you th- see, you know, Dunning, uh, Kopech will presumably be there next. I mean, are Dunning and... Uh, and Hanson, I mean is that is that the final two pieces? Is that the White Sox rotation? In theory, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: them, those those uh Giolito, Lopez, Dunning, Hansen.
0: Copac. Copac, yeah. That's I think that's how I put them in my twenty twenty one lineup. Should be an interesting, group. Zach Collins is their first rounder last year. Right. So I know you you've you saw him a lot, talked about him a lot. Zach Collins. So for these these top
1: thirty capsules, we're supposed to write up like 175 to 200 words. When I finished my capsule, I'd written 450 words on Zach Collins, and had to cut a lot out of it. <laughs> that was how much I did digging on Zach Collins. What did you find? There are a lot of guys outside the organization who question his ability to catch. It got a lot better this year. Um, tw- as the year went on, there's still work to go. He's got a strong enough arm, but the footwork when he goes to throw um, needs to be um, cleaned up a little bit. He needs to work on framing balls a little bit better, receiving them. He will drag balls outside the zone. Um, He needs to block and receive better. There's a long way to go, I think, not as long as it was to start the year, but there's ways to go for him to be a consistent major league catcher. Now, offensively, he had uh, not the greatest year at Winston-Salem. He had been in Winston-Salem for many, many at-bats. Let's see, what is he at? 426 plate appearances. Yeah, at Winston-Salem over the course of two years. Uh, he does strike out a ton. He got... And going
0: back to the year before as well, as another 153. Yeah. So you're looking at uh, nearly 600 at-bats at Winston-Salem. 5- 579 plate appearances at Winston-Salem. Right. And, you
1: know, one of the things he cleaned up at the end of this year in, in Strux was a giant hand hitch at the beginning of his swing that... When you looked at it, and when the scouts looked at it, they said, you know, people are going to get inside on him with fastballs, with this hitch, and he's never going to hit for a high average, or maybe not necessarily even pull the ball with authority. Once he started smoothing that out, he started being able to drive inside fastballs a little bit better, and in instructs, they kind of installed a different swing with him, where it's kind of flat on his back, uh, flat on his shoulder, and then pointed, and then he goes, rather than cocking it and pointing it, and then bringing it back to launch. Um, so there's there's obviously power there. There's obviously a little bit below average defense there. It's going to be a work in
0: progress, and he's but he's got the tools to be an offensive major league catcher. It's interesting. I, I, was Zach Collins here at Bowie's Creek? Uh, well, sorry, when he was in Winston Salem, he'd come over and play Bowie's Creek in Carolina. Got to see him a good bit, and one of the things I did like about him, uh, his strikes on discipline was oh, obviously yes. elite. And beyond that, I also remember there was a moment, a particular game where, you know, it takes a fastball three inches outside, I mean, clear as day, and the ump calls a strike, and Collins just looks, and I was like, really? And then another one comes, the ump calls the same pitch again. Collins just looks back and was like, really? That's a strike? Okay. So naturally, the pitcher goes back to that same pitch, Collins takes it and just, drills it for an opposite field double, you know, and I liked I liked them, I was like, fine, that's a strike, okay I'll hit it. I definitely saw the bat-to-ball ability there, anything out over the plate, this is a guy who can drive it up the middle, Both, you know, didn't see him pull the ball a ton, which is always something you kind of want to see, but um, again, up the middle power, opposite field power, so I do think you did see the bat-to-ball skills and the power in there in spurts, it's just a matter of getting it consistently you mentioned the swing changes and Look, I, I think when you talk about guys as a catcher, you know, and you saw it in the Futures game, right? Chance Sisko is another guy, that left-hand hitting catcher. People have questioned the catching. Well, you watched him in the Futures game, and he was light years ahead of Zach Collins. His receiving, his hands, you know, and that was partially why as soon as Cisco left the game and Collins came in, a lot of the pitchers, uh, the, the U.S. pitching staff got hit a little bit. You could see a, a night and day difference. But, like you said, there's some things there you can say, okay, if he can work on it a year or two. But again, that just, you know, for, for me, that's sort of the thing with Zach Collins, right? I do believe in the bat more than some others. The receiving, the blocking, all that, it's very problematic. And do you make him a DH? Do you make him a first baseman? It's going to be interesting to see. I think this is a critical year for Zach Collins and his defense. And because if it just gets a little bit better, it's probably not going to cut it. If it gets a lot better, and he absolutely has the ability to do it, then we can see something really promising. Yeah. Uh, all right. As we move down a little bit, you know, one guy, Oh, uh, I saw two guys. They're two first-round picks last year, Jake Berger and, and Gavin Sheets. Uh, Sheets was second-rounder. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I saw both of them. I saw Berger when he was with Team USA, and I saw Sheets. I uh, just went out for a Wake Forest-USC game. because yeah, one hit three home runs. Yeah, I saw him hit three home runs. Now, Wake Forest is a bandbox and the wind was blowing out, but – Three home runs or three home runs, and you definitely you definitely saw the pop there. That was interesting. They went with two corner guys with big power. Uh, they're definitely building some power in this offense. Eloy Jimenez obviously big power. Zach Collins shows you a decent amount of power. Draft Berger and Sheets, Robert. Everyone thinks he's you know he's a physical guy with power. It's interesting to me. They're definitely going for the bigger physical guys with pop. It seems like right. You know they've got speedy guys. They've got Robert. They've got guys like um, but Robert's power too, which well, but well, makes him
1: unique. Yes, yes. speed, power. Um, you know, those were the I guess those were two guys on the board that they let, that they uh, the best two guys on the board they thought, and I think you're going to see a lot of power out of them this year because they're going to play at Winston Salem and they're going to knock the living crap out of the ball at that <laughs> park, um, and you're going to get them on you know full seasons. Uh, Gavin Sheets was probably worn down some. Hey, yo, he was worn down some. They, I heard at outside scouts, inside scouts, tell me he was worn down some because Wake Forest played into
0: the supers, um, right? They went deep into the into college postseason, and yeah, by yeah. the time he actually signed and got there, he had already played uh, right. a ton of games, and he had another fifty-six games of pro ball. Yeah, and Berger, you know, he he uh,
1: he has some work to do uh, defensively. I've heard some people call him a bit of a dancing bear over there, <laughs> which I like. Thank you. Um, but another one I've heard was Fred Flintstone. But he's another word I've heard over there is captain. I've heard at least two people mention the makeup is worthy of a captaincy at the major league level if he gets there. And you know he stayed in Arizona this year in the offseason to work on his body some just at the White Sox complex all offseason. It's not something you necessarily see from a first-year guy. Um, especially coming off a of college season, but he's another guy that if he stays over there and profiles the way we, the White Sox and outside
0: evaluators think, you've got a prototypical third baseman. You know, it's interesting. Part of the discussion we have when we look at organizations, through organization, organization talent rankings, it's better to have five great prospects than you know fifteen. Eh, they're okay prospects. Having right, because then you have the great at, prospects slanted at the top is better. Um, but what separated the White Sox, and, and I don't know, it at least surprised me a little bit when you actually saw it, you know, put on paper, the White Sox top 10, you stack it up with the Padres, the Braves, the Yankees, and I, I take it. I, I probably take it, if not number one of those 10, then maybe, you know, it's, it's right there. It's not fourth out of that group. But what was interesting to me as you look at laid out, and you can see this in the prospect handbook, is it really drops off after... Yes. You know, you could say you could say you know. Some people say at twelve. To me, it's after number fifteen. You know, the top fifteen. Okay. You know, fifth, number fifteen. Who you see who it is in the prospect handbook, is still a guy who you know good draft pedigree. First year didn't go as great as some people wanted, but still a nice prospect. After that, it really drops off a cliff, which surprised me. You know, it does. But I think it could hit a trampoline and bounce back up that cliff,
1: if. Uh if you've got a guy like Luis Alexander Basaba, who came over in the sale trade, and he spent a lot of the year dealing with knee issues, and there were some hit tool questions too. But he's a toolbox, and if he's if he's recovered from that knee surgery this year, you could see a different player in high class A. Mike Rodolfo was the same way. He started to put it together this year. Someone gave him a 110 on the 2080 scale as far as his arm <laughs> goes. Uh, he's got power potential, but he broke his hand toward the end of the year when he punched a wall. So... Um, he missed some development time, too. He's another guy who's going to be in the mix for that um, the, that Winston-Salem outfield. So there's potential here. There just hasn't been necessarily production. Um, Alex Call is another guy who had some injury troubles this year who could also be at Winston-Salem. Um, Ian Clarkin has dealt. I mean, I do the Yankees and the White Sox. Ian Clarkin has never been healthy, and there's, you know, there's back-end starter potential if he does stay healthy. But we did skip over a guy that I do want to talk about, and that's Blake
0: Rutherford. Oh. back up to the top eight number eight yeah another yeah. guy came up same deal as Ian Clarkin. I talked about another I Southern California Southern California Yankees draft they love their Southern California high school kids yes yes they do um, James Caprillion too I don't know if that's Southern well college yeah. but you say like but no oh, yeah. Yeah. Nolan Martinez and uh, uh, Drew Finley and mm-hmm. and uh, Matt Sauer last year the Yankees are all about drafting high school kids from Southern California
1: but uh, with Rutherford you know like I said I do both those systems and I was probably higher on Rutherford than most in Pro ball because I think he hit about 800 in the games that I watched. <laughs> so that'll bias a guy. Um, but the question with him is power. He's got a, a very pretty left handed swing. I think he was getting frustrated a little bit this year that he wasn't having quite the year he wanted. But, you know, they've got, they, they had on the, on the teams that they, uh, they had him on, there was also Floreal. And it was very clear Floreal was the better prospect of those two. So. For Rutherford, and even when I was with the Yankees, when I talked to him last year at spring training, his goal was to put on more good weight and get some, some sock behind the ball in that left hand. I've seen him do it, I've seen him turn on balls. The last swing I saw in spring training this year was Rutherford, and he hit it to the moon. And you know, as I was walking out, so it's, it's in there, you just needs to unlock it a little more. If he does that, he'll improve his stock greatly because the hit tool is there. Um, otherwise, you're gonna have a profile problem because he's a corner outfielder no doubt. Um, and without power,
0: I don't, I don't know what you do with that. Well, it's interesting. So you mentioned the hitting ability, but this was a guy who hit 260 this year. Uh, obviously, the quality of contact in terms of ability to drive the ball, because, you know, again, a part of being, you now talk about the hit grade, it's, you know, making authoritative contact. And this is a guy who, for a lot of this year, was not putting, you know, the bat on the ball to a uh, emphatic degree. And then some of that's power, but some of it's also just the ability to drive the ball on a line with authority. What is it about Blake Rutherford and what he, uh, you know, what the reports were that makes you say, hey, I still believe the hitting ability is there and it's not, you know, also the power is not there, but I think there's also some disappointment with just the overall hit ability overall.
1: I think, quite frankly, he was, and scouts I talked to think he was pressing, but he, you know, he comes into his first full season in pro ball with all this, First round, top whatever prospect hype. I think he was third in the Yankee system in twenty entering the 2017 season, and it just wasn't happening for him. That Charleston's murder on left-handers and hitters in general, so that probably didn't help either. But you combine those two factors, and you might not have the start you wanted. Uh, but the the White Sox still liked him enough out of the draft and uh, in their evaluations this year that they at him had him as the centerpiece of that
0: Robertson Cainley. Frazier deal. It'll be interesting, I think this is undeniably a big year for Blake Rutherford after his, he was acquired, went to Kannapolis, uh dropped even more 213, yeah, 289, 254 you know, gets a full off season in the White Sox system now, works with the new coaches, gets into uh, spring with them, I'll be interested to see, I mean I don't think this is a guy you jump ship on, um, you know, I saw him and he was in a prep in Southern California and he was a very gifted hitter, it was pretty pretty obvious he was going to be a left fielder i never really understood the individuals who thought he was a center fielder profile he was never that um left fielder but you didn't doubt that he could hit enough to make it work obviously hasn't kind of translated in pro ball because hey pro ball's hard one thing to keep in mind is he is an older guy he was a high school pick but he's going to be 21 this may so you know you kind of want to see it start to click this year at least move in the right direction i'm not saying he has to Bounce back and have an, a crazy campaign, but you do want to start seeing it move in the right direction. And I'll say it again: fifth verse, same as the first. He's
1: going to be playing in high class, Winston Salem, probably, uh, and that ballpark will help your offense a lot.
0: There's definitely that that uh, that <laughs> opportunity there. Overall, you know, you mentioned a couple guys. Do you have any sleepers in this system? You know, guys I mean, that I, are I, in the back half or not on the list that. You think you know this time next year, White Sox fans are, are gonna know and, and be pretty excited about?
1: Let me say this White Sox fans are legion, they know <laughs> all about all of their prospects. I am not gonna trick anybody here. Um, I like Ian Hamilton, uh, they you know, he's a, he was a starter at Washington State and a pretty vanilla one, but in the bullpen, he's you know, 99 miles an hour with a 94 mile an hour slider, and he could. Move up this list very quickly and be a, kind of an impact bullpen guy. Sebi Zavala, who I can see you typing into your search bar here in Google. Uh, saw Pop a little bit. San Diego
0: State. on the fall. Pop Lake. quiz. There's some,
1: there's some. There's something there. Pop quiz. Even with Eloy Jimenez in that system, he led the system in home runs, with it was like 24 home runs, I think. 21. 21. I gave him three more. You're welcome, Sebby. Um, he's he's got the power. He's had. He's a little. He's a lot older. Um, and he had he was a left fielder for part of the time at San Diego State if i remember correctly he had i think he's had Tommy John um, and he's if you have got that kind of power and you're a catcher you're pretty good he's a tick defensively he's a tick behind Collins defensively from what i've heard and a
0: tick offensively behind Collins from what i've heard so this could be an offensive backup we'll see what happens again he looked pretty good in the fall league I uh, hit 326 407 435 there uh, a couple doubles, home run, you know, didn't didn't get a ton of at-bats, but played well when he did, and, and that's a guy you look at. We we always see catchers rise higher than maybe a lot of uh, people expect them to, and he's definitely a guy, I think, who has that possibility. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting one. Um, we got Ian Hamilton. Who else we got on this list that uh, I like? Well, I uh, do want to ask your opinion of Tygo Vieira. I mean, this is a guy who throws a million miles an hour. Yeah, throws um, a million miles an hour.
1: It's, <laughs> they've got... Three guys on this list who've touched 100, 203? three.
0: You know, it's interesting. We talked about physicality uh, and power on the offensive side. They they clearly have targeted. When we, we skipped Zach Birdie, who right with velocity TJ, but tell yeah. me about velocity. Kopek, Birdie, Vieira. I mean, those are three of the hardest five to five to six hard, the hardest throwers in the minors. Yeah, if if he can get uh,
1: an off speed pitch to consistently click and uh, command. He made his major league debut this year. Yes, Um, he can be a lockdown guy. Um, There's a little bit of a couple hurdles to go through, but I've seen him at his best, and
0: it was pretty darn good. So here's the real question now, Josh. And I think you know we talk all about the farm system and and you know where where they are and how good it is. But again, the entire point of this is you don't build a farm system just to build a farm system. You build a farm system to win games at the major league level. That's what matters, that's what counts. That's my question to you. The White Sox now have, uh, it's been a while since they've won games at the major league level at at a consistent basis. They are going on their, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. They have five consecutive losing seasons. How much longer will it be before we see this farm system get to the majors and not only just get there but make it so this streak of losing seasons ends? Well, we've
1: seen the first wave get there in Lopez and Gelito and Moncada. Now they're in the point where they've stocked their farm system enough where they can begin to sort out what they have. And this is where the Yankees were, I believe, the last couple of years. They can sort out what they have from their depth and use it to trade for studs. They were in allegedly. On uh, Manny Machado for a while, and I certainly think they have the pieces to do that if they, if the, the Orioles uh, are so inclined. Now you start to evaluate internally and see what you can do with the prospects because they're not all going to be White Sox major leaguers. That 2021 rotation we talked about is probably not going to happen because I don't remember the last time we had five, you know, homegrown guys in a rotation. I'm sure someone will hear this podcast and. Uh, Tell me exactly what last time we had five homegrown guys in a rotation. Guys get traded, guys get hurt, pitchers especially. Right. Now we're going to see what they can do with it. It's a, it's a very
0: good position to be in. But you're dancing around the question. Give me a year. When I'm the White Sox a have year, a winning huh?
1: record? That's what year is this, 18? Let's go 19.
0: All right, 2019 winning record.
1: Mark it down. Uh, put it in your most permanent <laughs> of markers. Etch it in stone. Save
0: it to your cloud. You know, 2019. All right. You heard it from Josh Norris. On that note, I think we'll wrap this up. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, f- folks, make sure and uh, get your copy of the Baseball America Prospect Handbook. If you order from BaseballAmerica.com store, you'll get the supplement with the number 31 prospect. So extra White Sox prospects for all you uh, White Sox prospect junkies. I know there's a lot of you out there. You are legion. <laughs> and uh, we appreciate you taking the time to listen. For Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.